everybody. Welcome back to the Frog Snacks Podcast. This is episode 31. I am Snacks. With me always is Frog. Yep. Um, so we, uh, we wanted to talk about this a little bit last week, but it was a little too new and we wanted to get a little bit more uh, time with it. Um, I know Frog has been playing it and I have been uh, paying attention to it, but uh, Mario Maker was released uh, early last week or maybe two weekends ago. And um, Last Friday. Last Friday. Friday before last. Friday before last. And um, basically everything that we thought was going to happen is happening. Um, there, There is almost every day something interesting happening in the world of user-generated Mario levels. Um, oh, yeah. Most, uh, most notably, a user uh, who goes by the name of uh, Pan- Pangea Panga uh, is like the is like the foremost super difficult Mario Maker level creator out there, and uh, his his creations have already made front page news of all the big gaming websites. Um, he has uh, now. It's it's important to remember that you you can't just make. Uh, these these levels you have to beat them before they can be uploaded right and uh that was like the big you know like the the big like uh you know one of the bigger points in selling this game was yeah it's not going to be just a whole bunch of ridiculousness because people have to be able to do them they can't be tool assisted they can't be you know just built and not be able to be played yeah there's they basically put a ceiling on the level of trolling that could be in the game. Yeah, and you know, but even still, like the people who are who who were going to be you know really big enthusiasts were you know it was sort of expected that there was going to be some ridiculousness, but not to the point where you're just rolling your eyes and you're like, okay, like whatever guy. Um, but <laughs> yeah, this guy. This guy I love it in the trailer. They were like, they specifically called out the people who were like, okay, those of you who are thinking about making a level. And putting blocks all around the flag so you can't technically complete it, you can go home. <laughs> because it's not happening. Yeah. Um, this Pangea Panga guy, like, there's videos of people trying to do them. And I th- I read some of the statistics. So, like, his first level that sort of got attention um, was, like, uh, 11,000 tries before somebody – or 11,000 individual users attempted it before one person completed it. Oh, my God. Um yeah, so they're like the, you know, and I've I've watched the videos. The levels aren't very long, um, and there, I, I read a little bit of an interview with him, and it's and it's pretty interesting because he went up and he was he basically said, um, I don't want to give the user any autonomy. I want there to be one correct way to do the level, um, and you know you have to really really want it to learn the correct way to do it, and then do it flawlessly. Um, which I, I admire. I mean, somebody, we, we all expected somebody to come up and be this person and, you know, here, here he is, <laughs> to be that jackass, you know, and, and here he is. And, you know, he's, and he's coming out with like really great stuff and he's able to do it himself. So I can't really hate on the guy. Um, right. you know, he's really creating like very interesting, uh, level utilizing all, um, you know, utilizing all pieces, now, uh, Mario Maker is a, the, 
when it was when we first started to learn a little bit more about what it was, um, it sort of uh, it sort of reminded me of other like user generated party level games, um, most notably Little Big Planet. Oh um, well, yeah the 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 comparison to Little Big Planet was immediate right. and well warranted, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's and it's it's interesting. I think Little Big Planet never got the. Um, I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, I don't know how to word this because I did play Little Big Planet, and, as did I. And it was actually like really fun to play with three or four people. Oh, I de- I definitely did some couch co op at you know in college with Little Big Planet in like uh like Andy and Tim's room because they had it. And, shout out to Andy and Tim. Yeah, shout out to Andy and Tim. And we would get. Uh, you know, we would get get a whole bunch of people. They had the four. We we would gather up all the controllers that we needed, and you know, it was it was so much fun with more people because some of them, uh, you you know, you needed uh, you all four of you didn't need to complete it in order for it to be completed on the account, right? Right. So if like three of you died and there was only one person left, everybody in the room was just like cheering you on and watching you and it was really it was really fun it was really cool and for some reason i feel like little big planet didn't take off the way that it should have and and i've I, i'm trying to figure what do you think as somebody who's played both what do you think mario maker has over little big planet besides like uh brand recognition well glad glad we're going to take on this point because um this is something that has come up in a lot of the Mario Maker discussion. Uh, and like you, I do agree that Little Big Planet did not really. The first game went places. It seemed like the second one didn't go as many places, even though it was way more ambitious. Absolutely. Uh, and then there was uh, Little Big Planet Karting, which I was super excited about because I've always wanted to be able to do like custom Mario Kart or at least play other people's custom Mario Kart levels. But. Even now, that's something I don't think Nintendo's going to touch. And nobody even touched a little bit of Planet Karting. And, in fact, um, <laughs> when you play a little bit of Planet Karting, it was immediately evident what people really wanted because all the, the top levels, the few ones that existed, the top levels in that game were remakes of Mario Kart levels. Yep. So <laughs> that leads me to the point of I do think brand recognition is you know, a very, very big part of this. Uh, at the end of the day, regardless of all the great platformers that have come out over the decades, uh, the Mario games are still 150% the king of the, of the hill, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so not to mention that between the mainline platformers, which, you know, oscillate between completely revolutionary and really freaking good uh then there are all the spin-off games which have built out the mario universe so people really really want to get that deeper engagement with all these various elements of the universe uh which is a desire that i think mario maker finally you know uncaps more than that though there were some things about little big planet that kind of made it i don't want to say inferior to this but um, Nintendo's take on this idea, I think, nails the, the, the hit the nail on the head better than Little Big Planet did. Uh-huh. Uh, 
the chief one, and this is something a lot of people complained about even when Lil Big Plant was popular, is the physics. Uh, yeah, Lil the, Big Plant's physics are super floaty. Yeah, it was floaty, and I, if I remember correctly, it had this weird like uh, I don't know what to call it, but it, it, it's a lot. It's like one of the few like uh, complaints that uh, GTA has, and they haven't fixed it. They they just you know insist on leaving it in, but they add this weird like uh, like inertia to the character, mm-hmm. where if you you it doesn't stop when you tell it to stop. There's always this little delay and, you know, it's like supposed to be more physically accurate, but at the same time, it's like just, it's just annoying and it causes you to like recalculate more in your head as you're moving. So almost like your character's always on ice? A little bit. I remember there being a little bit of that in, in the one that I played. I can't remember if it was one or two, right? but, um, yeah. And then that's like, so that was, so that's a thing, but yeah, the, the physics, yeah, the physics in that game are really wonky. Like, uh, to get a good jump, you really have to press hard. Like, it's very pressure sensitive. Yeah. Um, so, those things, I think, matter a great, great deal. Because a, a platformer is really lives and dies on the strength of the jump mechanic. Because that's what you spend the entire time doing. True. So, if the jump mechanic isn't 100% perfect then it's going the whole thing kind of falls short uh and i think that's where little big blanket things in a lot of people's book like this is cool and all but something is it always feel like something there's a hole in it somewhere and i think the hole for a lot of people is the jump mechanic which you know on paper sounds like a really tiny thing but again because it's the thing that you spend the entire game doing right it's the whole game is the whole game. That's the central mechanic around which everything evolved. So despite the fact that Little Big Planet has a stunning uh, cultural diversity backing it, all these great visual pieces, you know, an ass load of different things to unlock and tweak and, uh, you know, use to build out levels and customize Sackboy. Yeah. And like, real quick, let's talk about, let's talk about Sackboy and let's talk about Media Molecule really quick too because absolutely Media Molecule is I'm I'm a, I'm a huge fan I liked the Little Big Planet series and I was a huge fan of uh, Tearaway their Vita exclusive that is uh, that is being ported uh, to PS4. Yeah, um, Tearaway is a game that oozes creativity. From yeah, every and and one of the things that I noticed that's like very similar between the two games and this might have been something that you know ended up like biting them in the ass a little bit was. Uh, their whole they they put so much emphasis on user creation, right? right? To the point where, like in Tearaway, one of the one of the coolest mechanics I thought was uh, you would come across something that needed to be colored, and you could either pick a color out of a palette or take a picture with the Vita camera, which is a function that I think the 3DS should use because 3DS does have a camera. I think you should. Yeah, use, it's a shitty camera though. Yeah, it doesn't need to be great. It, but like the way that they used it in the in the Vita was um, if if there was a specific color that you wanted to paint this item with and it wasn't represented well in the palette, you could find something in your room or wherever you were playing that was that color, take a picture of it, and it would use that color as the skin for that item. And Which is super cool. It was super cool. And not only would it do that for that item, but like say if it was uh, if it was like a squirrel or something – 
every squirrel from that point on would have that color unless you went and had, went ahead and, and changed it. And then all the squirrels would be the new color. And it was just like the entire world was a blank slate for you to call, even though the levels are already built for you uh, and even your character. And like the thing that I think might have uh, not really, uh, you know, done them many favors in little big planet even though it was like one of the one of the best points of Tearaway in Little Big Planet, I don't think that Sackboy was uh, was like a, a likable enough thing. It had zero personality. It was literally a sack so that you could decorate it and dress it however you wanted. And you know that was what their aim was. was like, oh, you can like dress it up however you want, and you could make. You know, you could give it uh, all kinds of all kinds of like cool DLC costumes that were going to come out with it. But at the end of the day, Sackboy was was nothing. And I, I've definitely heard a lot of people say Sackboy is a stupid character. Which I mean, I would like to say I disagree with you. Yeah. Um, at least at least as what I think in, in terms of importance to where we would say Little Big Planet kind of falls short. And I'm going to offer it another even bigger point than jump mechanics in a second, but um, I see where I see where you're coming from. And I guess I can see where a lot of people may say that Sackboy is a nothing character, even though if you think about Mario outside of, I guess what well, you have the RPGs that kind of build out that a little bit, but then again, even then Mario itself really is as with most Nintendo games, uh, Mario is really just kind of a slightly guzzed up uh, avatar just to represent the player in the game world because Mario really himself doesn't have much of a personality. Well, you know? that's that's while that is true, they at least gave Mario an ethnicity and an occupation. Like we we knew from day one that he was an Italian plumber. Right. And from from those two, you know, you know, very shallow qualifiers you had in your head, like this whole backstory that you could build off of that. Right. Sackboy was a blank slate. He didn't even have any, you know, very, uh, he didn't even have any specific, like, um, you know, physicality. Like he was, a he was very amoebic. Like he, he just had little stumps for arms and legs and was like a brown sack. Like that's it. Like they made him as blank of a slate as they possibly could. And even with, even though the purpose of Mario was just to be an avatar for the player, they, they even gave him like his trademark overalls and stuff. Like they gave him a costume, they gave him, uh, and they gave him like a, a, you know, an albeit shallow, but a little bit of a backstory. Like he's an Italian plumber who's dating this blonde girl and his best friend is his brother and also a dinosaur. And like, that's, you know, it's not a lot to go off of, but you can build an entire persona in your head off of that. Well, with Sackboy, it was, it was meant to be a, a completely different, and we could have an entire conversation as to like what the point of an avatar in games is from like an Eastern and a Western perspective, Media Molecule, Media Molecule being a Western developer, specifically English, but right. you know that's a, that's a different story entirely. But to a Western audience, and then ultimately to a global audience, um, Sackboy was you know people people were not able to uh, even though they were able the to mental link. You're saying right? There was no mental link. There was no uh, there was no emotional attachment to it. And you don't you don't you know you can have a, a silent protagonist 
that does so much more for the controller and the player, right. you know, without having need, without needing to speak or really have anything else going on, then, you know, a, a, a totally blank slate. An excellent example is, um, everybody knows the names of the people in Final Fantasy six and seven. Nobody knows any of the characters' names in four and five because they had the job system, right? Right. And it was just like they were just these people. They didn't have anything going on. Like you you were to assign them their role in the party. Um, but, you know, they, they sort of went in a well, different direction after four and five. And I think that that's like... still four because four, all those characters were pretty well established. They had... you Yeah, you could play with it. But four, they definitely had... Uh, you know, things in the plot, like, nobody's going to forget who played for, like, Palom and Parham, and, you know, guys kind of like that. But your point is taken. Go ahead. Yeah, so that's that's just, that's just like, my uh, hypothesis as to why Sackboy didn't, um, you know, Resonate. Ca- capture the hearts of millions the way Mario did, even though uh, both games were, you know, good. Like, Little Big Planet was good, Mario is and was good, like... You know, at the end of the, at the end of the day, there needs there's so much more, and and this is something that uh, Nintendo has always excelled at, and and even even to some extent Microsoft, but Sony has always kind of had a little bit of an issue with. I think, you know, if you look at the people who like, it's like I, I mean, you could even look at you know the success of Smash Brothers versus. Uh, with like Sony All Stars, right? Like they they had like random ass people in All Stars, and like the only one people really cared about, I remember, was like uh, was like Ratchet and Clank and uh, like Sweet Tooth. Like those were the only two people people cared about. And Crash Bandicoot would have been in there, but they they had lost the rights to that character a long time ago. So right. you know, I think um, I think that might be one one thing as somebody who has played plenty of Mario games and also little big planet, like little big planet wasn't, um, even though it was, even though it was fun and like media molecule did a really good job at the things that media molecule are typically good at. Uh, that was the, that was a thing that I'm hypothesizing was, uh, may have ultimately been one of the bullet points leading to their downfall was that the fact that Sackboy was, uh, didn't have enough, of um an individual personality yeah and didn't create enough of a resonance with the fan base i mean that's part of it i would personally i would say that's more to the point of what you just said about sony's general problem about if you really want to call it that anyway right uh it's an problem of not having uh any character faces that immediately scream playstation you know yeah i mean Uh, they used to they used to. I, I would actually argue that getting rid of Crash Bandicoot, though it probably sounded like a great idea at the time, uh, is a was a long term mistake. I don't think it, it. I don't think it was a good idea at the time either, because the whole point of Crash Bandicoot was to make an unofficial mascot for Sony, and he was for a couple of years. He was, but I think what they were doing. Remember, at the time they got rid of him. The whole idea of the console, quote unquote, mascot was going away as everybody sure. was kind of chasing the maturity vision. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like everybody was chasing these more in-depth, quote unquote, mature games or mature themes, et cetera, et cetera. So 
and they're trying to legitimize the gaming industry as worthy of artistic attention, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So having a mascot kind of undermines that because it immediately makes you look like you're trying to your your whole user base is children. Which is if you if you don't ever forget, how can we ever? Uh what dog Nintendo to a large degree during the GameCube era was the quote unquote kitty charge. Oh look at this stupid ass purple box, you know, with its freaking little colorful Mario games and shit. Look at this purple box. Shameful. It's true. That is literally one of the things that turned people off. Now, in 2015, it's a laughable concept because, hilariously, if you think about it, uh, now so much of the gaming audience is adults that not only is Nintendo's quote-unquote kitty ways uh, attractive, but in fact, a lot of people look at it as the most attractive point. The fact that these games are things that a now that a lot of you, you have a lot of people who grew up on all these games and now have children of their own and yeah. appreciate that they still have dope games that are appropriate to play in front of kids. Yeah, and then people like us who just never left. Yeah, uh, I'll and never people leave. who see never left. And take special appreciation of the fact that in a industry that's saturated, you know, before, remember, we said that everybody's chasing mature content, mature themes, and mature games, right? Yeah. Well, we got a shitload of those, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, and in an industry that is now saturated with uh, games of the like of Call of Duty, which are obviously aimed to kind of be like, look at me, this is quote-unquote adult, is very refreshing to a lot of people to have something that is like, well, fuck that. We're just going to have a cool-ass game, and it's going to be really colorful and cute and, and fun, and that's it. Yeah. I. Uh, <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> no. Know? That's 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 great. The um, I I am uh, tr- I'm I am like uh, patiently waiting like a vulture for a PS4 one terabyte console to to come out that is like possibly bundled with something that I want to play. Uh, I'm hoping there'll be a Street Fighter uh, one terabyte bundle, uh, maybe with like a limited edition controller or something. They just uh, they just dropped the the first one of that kind, but it was the call it's the Call of Duty one. And the controller looks really cool, but the console is like super ugly. Yeah, it looks terrible. Oh man. I think the controller looks really cool, but the console's ugly and I don't want to play Call of Duty anymore. I I just I I I'm looking for something else. But um Well that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, that's a whole conversation. Before we get too lost in the weeds on this other thing, which I want to come back to because this is a very interesting point about the whole mascot thing. We can come back to it later. But to go back to the point about where Little Big Plan I think did not resonate as strong as Mario Maker, uh another really key point is how easy it is to actually create. Because here's what here's what I'll tell you. This is also from experience with both games. With Little Big Planet, I started to mess around with the creation tools, but it's an extremely daunting prospect to create things in that game. Yeah, it's um, it's like uh, it's it's very it's a little inaccessible, definitely. 
Yeah, more than a little. Yeah. Uh, there's hours of tutorial, and they're all, to their credit, they're all pretty interesting because, you know, they're conducted by a dude, Stephen Fry, who has this nice, dry sense of humor. Uh, yeah, but, very English. Yeah, exactly. And, but at the same time, for me and for a lot of people, clearly, it's like, well, why am I going to go bother with that? I'm just going to go, A, play the pretty good number of media molecule campaign levels that were great. Yep. And then delve into the uh, levels by all the other people who bothered to try, you know, and who could do it way better than me anyway. So I think that is a problem because even though there was clearly not necessarily a problem for how many levels there were out there, the fact that it took, the fact that most people would never bother with it is a problem for the long-term viability of the concept. And I think that's why now, by the time we got to game three, nobody's even really talking about Liverpool anymore. Yeah. Um, with Mario Maker, though, on the other hand, I was personally, I've heard this in a lot of the preview footage and, and discussion, but I was actually really surprised at uh, how how much I felt compelled to make levels. Now, Nintendo, to their credit, very much nudges this in the core design of the game because, I'll tell you this, from the moment you boot up the game, right, as soon as it says, Super Mario Maker, you know, and they, they come to the start screen. The start screen is always, by the way, Mario playing level. So it starts off, it's just Super Mario Maker over the screen, and then you can start playing the level that they've plopped you into, which by default is, of course, World 1-1. Yeah. Uh, when you first turn on the game, you immediately start playing and you'll come to find that it's not finished. And from there, they plop you into uh, a very quick tutorial and they just say, okay, well, here. Uh, it's like it's basically a um, like a paint-by-numbers thing. Uh, drag all these elements over and finish the level, which is a very cool way to, you know, get people acclimated right before you can even play anything you have to see how making it works and once you see how easy it is to make things it's like oh okay well you know i can throw some quick thing together the no, no level has to be long it just has to be you can adjust to a very good degree how long the level is so if i want to just try something and make a quick level i can do that i can load in an existing course they have a bunch of sample ones that Nintendo made, or you can load in any from the internet and, you know, just tweak those. So it's actually really, really easy to start creating. Not to mention, of course, and this is all aided in large part by the fact that it's on the Wii U, so you're using the touchpad. There's a big reason why people are saying this is the killer app for Wii U that should have been out at launch, really. Yeah, yeah. So I think those things together make Mario Maker a game where it's really easy to start making levels. And once people see how easy it is to make a level, they're actually going to make some. I may, I've already made like eight. Most of them are total crap, but I made them, you know? Yeah. Uh, I've uploaded three, I think, but I've made like eight. And, um, you know, it's, it's just something you can go, bam, throw them in there. Also, there was a lot of controversy, but I do ultimately think that the decision to gate the content over time and release it over time to the player was a good idea. It was a very good idea. So as you play, if you spend five minutes making 
you know, something in the level, they'll queue up hey. Tomorrow when you come back, there'll be, you know, another five or six items that you can add to your repertoire. So keep trying to make some levels. For most people, I think that'll be great because if you just, like the Loic plant does, plop everything out there, it's like, well, God, what am I going to do with all this stuff, you know? Yeah. So uh, I would say that more than anything else is where Nintendo was able to, you know, strike the nail on the head more accurately than Mini Molecule does. Uh, though that said, I do feel bad because, as we said, Little Big Planet is, by all measure, a very good game. And at least for the console audience, kicked off this whole idea of user-generated content. Yeah, I mean, it, it predated um, it predated Minecraft, which is sort of like the, you know, the, like the standard bearer of user-generated content because the whole world is user-generated. And um, that uh, for the Xbox One, they came out with that game, uh, Project Spark. Yes. Which is also uh, in a similar vein, but it's much more like, uh, like feels a little unfinished. More like a tool set, really. Yeah, it's like a. It, yeah, it really is just. It's supposed like, to be like a user friendly tool set. Yeah, it's just like a palette. Yeah, uh, so they, the basically the point behind Project Spark is to give people who have ideas but not programming chops the yeah. ability to make cool stuff. Yeah, and you know some of the things that were already built. I think I played it for the first time two years ago at at PAX. Um, when the new consoles were brand new and, right. uh, you know, it was introduced to me and they, you know, they showed me all this stuff that you could do. And I was like, this is cool, but I am not, I, I do not have a, a, a penchant for, uh, 3d creation, unfortunately. Um, yeah. I mean, like we said, most people don't, but there's quite a large number who do. And the people and who do I tend definitely to be really like good the at fact. It. What do you say? I said the people who do do it, uh, you know, and who work on it, are genuinely impressive with the things they come up with. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm consistently impressed by, and it, again, even just regular people, just like some of the things I'll hear people say that they put in levels, I'm like, man, I would never have thought of, you know, some of this stuff. My levels are really, really basic. Yeah. Also, partly, given the fact that you have to be able to beat the level before you can upload it, is it going to put a very, <laughs> a very distinct ceiling on the level of craziness that's going to go on in my levels. I'll say that right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my levels are usually super basic. I just come up with some little, some very, very simple concept and kind of go with it. Uh, and then if it turned out even reasonably well, I put it up. Uh, I will say a problem, which has become rapidly apparent in Mario Maker, which is kind of a thing that affects a lot of different areas of tech now is the problem of discovery and curation. Because, I don't know if you heard, but just in the week since it came out, over one million levels were made in Mario Maker. One week, one million levels. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, and that's that's just what we uploaded. So it's an absurd, absurd amount of content already. And if you think about the fact that most people probably don't even have all the tools open to them yet, uh, but an absurd level of uh, absurd number of levels have been uploaded. But the way the system is laid out, it's kind of a thing where the things that are popular tend to stay up there. Yeah. 
yeah, so it's it, it, the, the system that they have in place for discovering levels is very limited. Okay. Uh, I would personally hope that they add a tagging system. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that sounds smart. Yeah, if they add a tagging system, actually even Little Bitcoin had that. Mm-hmm. As unfortunately as difficult to navigate as that was because you had to use a controller <laughs> without any kind of keypad to kind of figure that out. But they were able to put in a tagging system, which definitely helped uh, sort out a lot of the silly stuff. Uh, but yeah, Nintendo definitely needs to put a tagging system in there to help levels of different kinds rise to the top. The other thing is that there's a lot of levels you'll see, particularly the ones that are the most popular, are what are called the autoplay levels, which are basically the level starts and you're you're instructed explicitly to either not touch anything or like hold the run button down. And then it just does a bunch of really cool stuff and then levels over and now you're like, oh, that was crazy. Oh yeah, um, uh, Trials has that. Trials HD. They mm-hmm. have a, they have a few levels um, where you know people will. Pe- there's also a user generated level design thing in Trials, but Trials has like a very small but very rabid following. So right. they're they're you know they're doing their own thing and people are paying attention. And I I, I kind of feel bad because uh, Red Links, the developer that does uh, Trials, has like. Uh, made a lot of games and they're the the fan base for trials is so is so rabid and strange that i remember like when they were waiting for the new trials to come out trials hd uh mm-hmm. red links and whenever red links uh said anything on their facebook fan page that wasn't uh like an explicit uh like detailing of what to expect uh or when to expect in the new trials game people would just jump in the comment section and just be like what about trials trials like we don't care about this bullshit game that you're putting out red links we want to know about <laughs> trials and I've, i i like felt bad for red links for a little bit but anyway they have they have a similar thing in the user generated um trials levels where you know y- you can you're only allowed to use the gas and the brake you can't uh steer at all and you have to you know put the correct amount of pressure on the gas and the brake so that you don't flip over and you have to complete the level that way Yeah, I think that's... I'd have to play it to be sure, but yeah, it's probably something similar. This is just like straight, like, you're there to watch it, you know? Yeah. Uh, This is just straight up, like, it'll start off, and the level's designed so that as soon as it starts, Mario gets hit with, like, a bounce pad and starts being put on all these moving conveyor belts that go around and take the level. Oh, man, it looks like he's about to get killed, and it doesn't, etc. Oh, okay, okay. So it's it's like a... a, You start it, but it's like a less interactive level. Yeah, it's non-interactive, Right. Except the one, it's either non-interactive or very minimal. Where, like I said, you might have to just just hold run and touch nothing else but just hold run. That's kind of cool. Or like the level completes it for you. You just yeah. have to exist there. Yeah. So it is cool, but uh, one of the complaints now being that okay, we kind of need to get like a separate category for the autoplay levels because now, again, a lot of the most popular levels are the autoplay levels. Yeah. So it's like, how do we get to the other kinds. Uh, one way that's addressed, at least in the short term, is that there is the 100 Mario Challenge because it, that's where they give you 100 lives and you have a hundred, basically 100 chances to complete 16 randomly selected levels. And uh, if you don't like any of the levels you're doing at any time, you can act physically just tap the screen and swipe it out and it'll give you another one. Oh, that's cool. 
Yeah, so it, there are some ways. It, I'll, I'll put it this way. The problems with the discovery of Mario Maker are not for a lack of trying. Actually, I'm fairly surprised that they actually went as far as they did. Uh, given that, you know, we know how Nintendo can be when it comes to online stuff. Yeah. Uh, but given the popularity of this game already, and mind you, we're not even at the holiday season when this is going to end up in a lot of people's stockings. Yep. Uh, they're going to have to do some more work on this to get it up to where it needs to be. But that's Mario Maker in a nutshell. But one of the things I definitely want to talk about is just kind of the, the phenomenon of user-generated stuff in general and how interesting it is. Yeah. Uh, because remember I said in the console space, Little Big Planet is kind of like the standard bearer. But on PC, this has been going on for literally decades oh yeah i mean you could just look at the modding community and just sort of like call that an unofficial like unofficial user-generated content um, Wait, that's absolutely what it is yeah so i i mean it's definitely it definitely appeals to a a very specific very talented uh group of individuals um i am i happen to not be one of those individuals <laughs> neither am i um <laughs> but i i, I I'm I'm just as fascinated as as anybody else. Um, I re, I remember uh, like all these like all these games. I'm I'm I, I I like to see what people come up with. Um, I remember when they when they dropped uh, Forge for Halo Three, mm-hmm. and people were like recreating old Halo uh, One and Two levels with the with the Forge mode and uploading right. them, and you could you could like play. Uh, you could play like um, custom matches on them. That was pretty cool. And they even took a couple and made them into actual levels. Yeah, I mean, if we think about kind of the arc of how this has gone, like as we said, mods on PC have been there literally forever. Yeah. And have been really cool forever. Like even back in, I can remember as far back as high school when it really started following gaming closely. Every once in a while, you would start seeing articles about these crazy mods that would come out uh, for various games. And some of them were real wild. Like, you'll have, like, there'll be, like, Mega Man mods come up for games, like, Company of Heroes or some something completely unrelated like that, you know? Yeah. And you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think. And, you know, I, I, it's, I, I just thought of this now, but I don't know if we've ever had... A real, uh, a real platform for people to upload user-generated content for older games, but we're going to be having the opportunity to see that very soon with the new Tony Hawk game, because there was a level maker, a level creator in Tony Hawk in the old Tony Hawk games, but right. this was pre-internet. You know, you you just saved it, and it was you could name it and like put whatever you wanted on. It was actually like a pretty, uh, a pretty in-depth tool. And uh, I, I definitely remember making some levels on that now. But the new the new Tony Hawk game is coming out uh, at the end of this month, and I would be I'd be really I haven't read anything about it, but I'd be really surprised if they didn't have like a an upload an uploadable create your level type thing in that. They might, but you know the thing is that you have to be you have to recognize that's what you want to do from the get go and have the tools built in to support that. Because as we say with Mario Maker. If you don't, then the whole thing kind of tends to collapse as far as usability, uh, because no matter no matter how small your audience is, 
they can all be doing multiple levels and you can still end up with a crap load of levels and no particular way to sort through all of it. Because, of course, the vast majority of what people make is going to be whack. Right. So you have to have a good sorting mechanism, which is kind of where I was going with the whole when we think about the arc of this thing, right? People have been doing these mods forever, uh, but it's increased in intensity and complexity over time. You know, where people were doing all these little mods or whatever for older games. As the technology has gotten better, the games have gotten bigger, uh, the tools to make the games have gotten better. And I think most importantly, developers have gotten on board with a lot of the modding. Because if you think about it, a lot of the people who currently work in the game industry got jobs because they showed off some crazy ass mod they did for something to somebody at a, that was in a senior position and they're like oh wow you're talented get over here yeah so you have developers now it's very common on pc where developers release you know a straight up mod toolkit bethesda being uh i think the king of the hill in that regard uh they've been doing that for quite a while now to the point where games like skyrim Literally, half the value of Skyrim on PC is getting it so you can experience all the the, the, the vast number of mods uh, that there are for that game. And Fallout 4 is going to be, I think, they're going to be even nuttier in that regard. Yeah. You yeah. know, so I think the fact that you have developers now who have are aiding and abetting the mod community is really going to be... I think user-generated content in general, I think, is going to be a big thing for the industry at large, which is why, don't forget now, remember, as if we're going back to Fallout 4, they announced that uh, Bethesda, in some way, shape, or form, I don't know how they're going to do it, but they're going to be actually allowing mods on console. Really? Yeah. So I'm guessing you're prob- they're probably going to have some kind of approval process and, you know, whatever official, officially sanctioned mods will probably be available from a portal uh, on Xbox Live and PSN uh, that people can download to their game, which is huge. Uh, and, and if it goes well, it's going to be a very big deal, I think, going forward, because that's a way that developers can leverage their community to keep interest in their game alive, which keeps checks rolling in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And especially when you consider that uh, the biggest problem with popular games is the fact that people always want more. Like, they like blaze through the existing content that you just spent six years making. They blaze through that in a week. And they're like, more, 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 more. Yeah. You know what? It, <laughs> sometimes when I think of gamers, you know what I think of? I think of the anchovies in SpongeBob. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just blaze through all the Krabby Patties and like me, 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 and they like swarmed at the front desk. Yeah, they're like they're like that, but more uh, uh, coarse and violent. They're like <laughs> they're like the anchovies, but if you replace the Krabby Patties with uh, heroin, yeah. <laughs> that's what they're that's what they're like. But, um, but yeah, there's, I mean, you, that's, that's, that was a great, um, that was a great tea leaves with frog. 
the um, I always have to drop a few. Yeah, with the uh, the developers getting more on board and even like facilitating the use of user generated content just to keep interest alive in games. And just like we're seeing games just getting but just getting bigger and bigger as as the years go on. It's just getting ridiculous, and it's just like if you want to maintain interest, you know the the more people you have working for you, the better. And if you know the community is going to be working for you, then not only do you have uh, a good game with ridiculous longevity, but you have built a community uh, pretty much just by the way the game was designed by allowing this sort of thing. And you know, the bigger the community is in the game, the more you know, the even further the longevity is, and you can even create it into a franchise if it's not already an established franchise. So that makes a lot of sense. That's a lot of you know interesting things to look forward to, especially with the the fallouts coming out and um, the Tony Hawk, maybe they'll have that in there. So, I mean, this is one of the things I think that is where we break down. Cause one thing I think about a lot is why is it that people like us are so invested in this? Right. Cause now I think about, and I'm sure you can attest to a lot of the same thing. Like I go to work and most people are, I know you're a sports guy also, which makes you a rare breed that you're this invested in gaming and also very invested in sports. But you have just a lot of people who are like, it's either all sports or just, you know, not really having particularly many hobbies of any kind. Uh, but for folks like us who get really, really invested in gaming, like, what is it that is so compelling? And there's a billion answers to that question. But I think one of the ones that jump to my head the most in recent weeks is the idea that games on top of being living and breathing in the sense that you interact with them. Yeah. They're also living and breathing in that what they exist as today may be a completely different thing tomorrow. So if you think about this whole idea of user generated content, right? Yeah. The fact that you have a game like Skyrim, something that's already out, yeah, the developers made this one entity, but then A, they can add on to it at will, and B, people can take that existing entity and change it in any number of ways. Like, people take existing PC games and make entirely different games out of them. Yeah, I mean, uh, Dota and the whole... Um, Great example. The whole the whole MOBA movement is was based off of a Warcraft 3 Warcraft mod. mod. So, you know, um, you had an entire genre birthed out of an existing game. Yeah. And, uh, I think, uh, I think Counter-Strike was a, was a mod of something, right? Was it? Or did I make that up? Um, actually I believe it was, but I forgot. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, yeah, like an entire genre was built out of, uh, a Warcraft three mod and Warcraft three came out like. I believe it was 99 that game came out. Jesus. That game is 16 years old. And, and might this is... Might be earlier than that, honestly. Hold on. I, I gotta 99 look might be Frozen Throne. I gotta look this up. Hold on. Oh, Frozen <laughs> Throne. Nah, dude. Frozen Throne came out later. Hold on. Yeah, Warcraft, Warcraft 3 was 3. definitely late 90s sometime. Warcraft but. 3, uh, 2002. Oh, it did? 2002. Uh, Frozen Throne was 2003. Okay. The one I think came was 99. What well, can't be know. StarCraft? Because StarCraft, I think, was 99. StarCraft, StarCraft 1, I think, was 99. Really? I thought it was, like, 98. StarCraft, uh, 98. 
Uh, North America, yeah, 98. So Star- StarCraft was 98. Um, StarCraft 64 came out in 2000. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, regardless, we're only talking a couple years different, but still. Right, we're talking about a, a, like a roughly 15-year-ago window. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, and, and it's amazing. Like Dota, Dota was like a thing – Oh, hey, check it out. Let's, uh, let's see. Um, it looks like the person credited with uh, the development of Dota is um, a guy who's only known by his handle, and his handle is Icefrog. <laughs> Look at that. Could it be me? <laughs> no. <laughs> Icefrog is a game designer known for being the longest serving and current developer of the Warcraft 3 custom map Defense of the Ancients, which is what Dota stands for. So yeah, he um the guy who you have a you you share a namesake with the inventor of Dota and therefore um an entire incredibly popular genre of video games. So put that you, in your resume. You made the case even better because again the whole idea that these are living, breathing entities, uh, you know, they're, they're like living organisms in a sense. Because yeah, when absolutely. I think of, in particular, what happened to Dota, you know, it's like, a, um, what is that concept? It's like a, a splitting and regeneration, you know? Some, an animal gets its limb cut off. Not only does the limb grow back, but the limb itself, the other limb that was cut off, turns into another complete version of the animal itself. That's what games are, yeah. you know. And you can you, chop off these parts of experience, and they can become full fledged things on their own, or the main game itself can com- become a completely different entity. When it may already have been some crazy dope thing, like I'm very, I cannot wait to see what people do to Metal Gear Solid Five. Like I can't wait. Yeah. Now Konami, you know, given all the BS that went down. So there are no official mod tools for this game, but yeah. that obviously did not stop anybody in the past, nor is it going to stop anybody this time. Right, because if you really know what you're doing, I mean, games really are living organisms. The fact that you can actually take it apart, it, like it's down down to its written code and move things around, and like that's kind of what – that's exactly what modding is. It's, it's you know, it's Play-Doh. It's digital Play-Doh. Exactly. So I can't wait to see what people because Metal Gear Solid Five already is a massive, massive sandbox. Yep. So I'm sure people are going to come with all sorts of nuttiness that they're going to layer into the game, which is part of the reason why I was really excited, in particular, to get on PC. Um, but yeah, the whole idea of modding and user-generated content, I think, is going to be a really, really big deal for, in particular, the AAA market going forward. Because they, they're going to need it. They're yeah. really going to need it. Obvi- it's obvious are. now that the demand is there for players to have that kind of engagement mm-hmm. with the games that they're playing. That like that that second level, uh, and for developers, it's like you really should because why not have yet another thing that'll keep people keep people's eyeballs on your product? You know? Yeah, it's um. It- there's, I mean, competition is so high, and one of the one of the things that's, and one of the things that I think that developers need to start thinking about if they're going to go in this direction, which I think that they are with you know very specific types of open world type games, 
Um, one of the things they need to keep in mind is that uh, you can you can put all of these things in a game, but they don't they don't they only have to look as far back as Little Big Planet to uh, see you know what what precedents are set for success in this type of genre where you're going to fully embrace user generated content and implement it. Um, right. You know what you what you need is a community and there's already a huge, you know, like, like Bethesda's got it easy because there's already a huge modding community before it was even recognized by Bethesda for modding the Elder Scrolls series. Right. So that's something that you need to, uh, that's something that you need to keep in mind. One thing that I think is like, uh, I, I don't, I, it's borderline, it borderline fits in with this conversation, but, uh, it, it sort of goes hand in hand with the community. And I think this is something that you need to, you might want to start looking at if you're a developer that wants, that really wants to like have this like uh, g- grassroots customization from your community um, that that some games have like completely nailed, uh, which is user generated, uh, not not content in the sense of physical content, but like intangible content. For example. Uh, guilds in World of Warcraft, right? Like they allow the use of a guild, and it's not like a physical place that you can go. But if you if 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 you need if you recognize the importance of a community within your game, uh, in terms of like you know one of the one of the best ways to build that community is giving them the tools in which to build a community. You know, you're always going to have forums online for your game right but like as far as an in-game hub guilds um eve online is one is is just one giant like user-generated society really i mean if you read some of the stuff that's going on in eve online it's 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 fascinating i mean they have they have literal pirate factions because the tools that were built in this game allow for this type of thing where there's where there are there are like conglomerates built in game and like they're not they they transcend guilds you know they're they're actual conglomerates that have uh tracts of the galaxy where they harvest a very specific thing and they traffic that and that's like their job and then there are you know it's 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 really incredible and you know you're going to look at uh guilds in World of Warcraft and stuff like that and I think that's going to be important also to build alongside this, uh, you know, physical user-generated content when it comes to like levels and stuff. You're you're also going to want to look for other ways in that users can build their own space. But when the tools, uh, when you have built-in tools for this, like for example, maybe um, in the new Fallout there could be a separate a separate tab. Maybe on the start menu, you know, where they have, um, you know, you, you have your you have your options and you have your, uh, you know, load game or save game or like whatever. There would be like the, you know, like the the modding thing, and it would all it would be like this this hub for the mods the mods that people have done and like a place where you can upload your mods. Yeah, I mean. It's very interesting. I don't know how they're going to pull it off exactly with uh, Fallout as far as mods go. But I think, to your point, 
what you're talking now is the social side, I think is the word you wanted to use. Right, yeah. Us to have advanced social tools that aid uh, people's collaboration in the game. And I think you hit on a, a very good point because the game I'm actually thinking of now is Destiny. Yeah. Because Destiny is a highly collaborative, highly cooperative game, uh, but people who are not already playing in established groups of their real-life friends are using sources external to the game to, you know, get going. Like, pretty much, pretty much when you're playing Destiny, if you're looking for a group, your best shot is Reddit. Yeah, it really is. And uh, Bungie actually hired one of the mods for the Destiny subreddit to work on, like, uh, you know, to be, like, a community coordinator. Right. I don't know if you heard that. Yeah, I did hear that, which is, uh, again, to show you how important that Reddit became. Yeah. Uh, because they, I know for a fact they, they went to Reddit, among other places in particular, as they were, you know, scouring the very um, <laughs> the very critical feedback of Destiny as they're trying to, de- <laughs> you know, continue developing it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, in general, I think you're right that games will also have to do better going forward on having the social tools built in to facilitate people's collaboration. And this is another thing I think about from time to time, which is that it really is funny how deeply untrue the stereotype of the gamer and the isolated gamer in his basement is. Because I mean, we know that to us, of course it's a, it's, it's so laughable that you almost can't even laugh at it because it's so far from reality. But when I think about that, it's just really fun. It's only getting more laughable as time goes on, as it's becoming very, very clear to not only the people in the gaming world, but hopefully to people outside, exactly how social and collaborative all this stuff is. Because you have people who are working together across all kinds of boundaries on making content for games, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, people working together across all kinds of boundaries to play games competitively or cooperatively. Uh, and then people just trying to strategize, you know, in both arenas. Yeah. So the fact that we can even sit here now and say, man, it's gotten to the point where we see that there's a real need for advanced social tools in games to help uh, facilitate all this stuff, I think is, you know, very telling in itself. Yeah, um, this is this is still uh, somewhat fledgling, um, and I think that there's going to be a little bit of uh, trial and error in the future, and there's going to be a uh, you know a, a decidedly good and a decidedly bad way to go about this. But we're not at that point where we really know it yet. Um, but we do know that it is uh, very much catching on and uh, is. You know, there's there's clearly a desire for this type of thing. Um, so you know, there's there's a lot to there's a lot to look out for. You know, specifically, um, you know, look at look at Bethesda. There's they're they're having some things coming out uh, in the future. Fallout, obviously, Fallout Four is is going to have this. They've already you know embraced the Skyrim modding community, and. Um, and yeah, so I, I, there was there was another thing that we wanted to cover today, but we're already out of time. Um, we'll get to that stuff. We will get to that stuff. Uh, Though, maybe real quick, week. last point I was going to say is that yes, please. I do believe that 
it is recognized within the gaming industry. The importance of uh, the social stuff is because um, most companies now have already taken on community managers to kind of try and know this stuff together. I think the problem so far is that if you think about social media now, because that's what we're really talking about. We're talking about gaming as kind of an extension of social media. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Even social media is still very much uncharted territory for if you're talking about from a company standpoint. Like, companies still are just kind of figuring out what to do with it. You know, there's not, there's very little hard data on how useful it is. We found out, people found a lot of things that are very, very bad to do. But people have not really figured out what things can can we do positively that will get real tangible impact. And I think that also extends to when we talk about games themselves. Like, it's going to be a while before people figure out what are the things that we can do that will be positive and effective. Right. It's it's something that I think we're finally getting out of the woods with and that we're finally, like, gaining real life solutions for both on the, both on the community side and the developer side. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's like getting out of the woods, but now we have a giant field in front of us. So it's like, Oh shit, where do we go? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's no roads. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> We're out of the woods, but there's still no roads. Exactly. Um, anyway, uh, that's about all the time that we have, uh, for this week. Um, Hopefully next week we can get we can get to talking about uh, the stuff that uh, the other stuff that we didn't have time for. But if you have not played uh, Mario Maker, um, at the very least, go on the internet and look at uh, Pangea Panga's uh, uh, levels that he's done. Um, and also, if you have not played Tearaway, uh, it's coming out for PS4 uh, and. Now you have less of an excuse to not play it. Um, it's it's very because we know most of you have PS4s. Yeah, it's very fun and very adorable, and you should you should play it. Play it. Play it right now. <laughs> All right. Yeah, go get a Vita and play it right now. Yeah, go get a Vita and play it right now. They should do a price drop on the Vita. That's another that's another thing. But like, they really need to be doing price drops on that thing. Yeah, kind of. I mean, to be fair, they have kind of dropped it from because it was two fifty, and now you can get for like what one eighty or something. Yeah, like a like a used one, but they should yeah, be doing. But, they should be trying harder. Like, I, I can't believe they just gave up that hard on it. But whatever, it, it, it's coming out for PS4 now, so like you should play it for PS4. Exactly. But that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Later.